Hi everyone, this is Corina and Angel. Welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Friends, in today's episode, we are talking to Chui Chui Tan, culturalization strategist and UX consultant. We talked to Chui about her career path, which she had to pave herself in the absence of a structured frame. From mechanical engineering to acculturalization of products, she shares how she came along her methods and principles of work, as well as how they have helped her shape projects and lead cross-functional teams. She reflects on the importance of blending historical context with understanding everyday user actions in order to achieve better innovation. We ask her how to optimally balance proper research with cost and time constraints. Finally, we explore how Chu is dealing with doing research in times of COVID and how she has adapted to meet the needs of remote work. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, friends. We are here today with Chu Chu Tan, a culturalization strategist um, and UX consultant and also founder of her own company, Bio Global. Um, hi, Chu. Hi. Hi, Corina. Um, before we dive deeper into your um, your work, um, I would like to ask you to tell me and also our listeners a little bit about yourself and what has been your path with the work that you do um, so far. Sure. And um, so, yeah, so like you say, I'm a culturalization strategist and UX consultant. So I have been in the UX or customer experience um, industry for 15 years um, or so. And um, I founded Bio Global um, in the last three or four years. Um, but my background was actually a mechanical engineer. Um, and that was my first degree that I did in Malaysia. That's where I'm originally from. from and um, now I'm in the UK for the last 16 um, years. And um, so, yeah, when I w- after I finished off my mechanical engineering degree, I actually worked in um, Panasonic as a mechanical designer for a few years um, before coming to the UK. Although it sounds like what I'm doing now is a bit different from like mechanical engineering, but um, there are actually a lot of overlaps on that sense because um, my major was mechanical industrial, so industrial uh, engineering. So that means that actually... Um, for example, my dissertation was to go in into um, a factory um, to understand, you know, how we can actually increase their productivity um, when they create uh, on their production line. And so what I did at the time, whether I know or not at the time uh, about, you know, observing people, how people do work as a, a, a you know, a specialist at the time, but we, uh, what I did is I went into a factory and kind of make it into a case studies, the understanding, observing how the, um, uh, the people within the production line kind of, uh, like create that, um, the products from one end to the other end and where is the bottlenecks and how to cut the, the time for each person, how many jobs they have to do, um, and, and 
what are the things that could make their job easier? Do they need any jigsaw fixture? And so overall, um, now thinking about that, um, it is all about you know the experience of the um, mm. the, the workers uh, in the factory to help them to have a better experience as well as to have a more productive um, line that you can um, have more uh, mm-hmm. products um, within a short period of time. I wonder at the time, did you have a name for what you were doing, or how 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 did it how how did how were you calling it? What what how were you thinking about it? So no, actually, didn't do it because that was like um, two thousand, maybe early two thousand, uh, mid two thousand one, two thousand two. I was in Malaysia. There's nothing about human computer interactions, or I had known nothing about anthropologists or anything like that. But it's just part of the process that. Uh, we have to go through to kind of understand the the, the people, uh, you know, the con- their context in order to improve their productivity. Mm. Um, so I did that um, for my undergraduate. I did my mechanical engineer and designing job in Malaysia, and then I decided to come to UK to study something completely different, which is my, um, master in music technology in uh, Queen's University of Belfast. Um, that one again, it sounds completely different. And thinking about that, whether, you know, every step of my background, I always feel like there's a stepping stone. And, you know, there are a lot of skills that we can collect in order to get to where we are. And then you can adapt it in a different way. It shape you, it shape mm-hmm. how we think and how we, we collect that. So um, on that course, it's more about, you know, um, kind of introducing me to technology, really, <laughs> because I didn't know much about um um, computer and programming or anything like that. But the first day, um, three, two out of three modules I had to do is start off with two different programming language to create music design and synthesizers and everything. So I had to learn from scratch what, how to use a Mac, <laughs> um, how to program what, um, straight into the, to the, to the, um, the, the assignments. Um, it's, it's how I actually come across into human computer inter- interactions and then what I'm doing now as culturalizations expert um, is that my dissertation on master actually is about um, audio games. So that actually led me to have an offer of a PhD um, um, to do a research for European uh, projects to help visually impaired people to access um, graphics using multimodal interfaces. Mm. So in that sense, I start to touch into at the time, we call it human-computer interactions, um, HCI. And so I understand how visually impaired people access technology and their needs and how they go about you know, observing how they use technology using all the assistive technology we have at the time and then talking to them, interview them, testing them. Again, without training, you know, you kind of pick it up because at the time, there's no such a course like, mm. you know, you do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious because this is the second time we, you've mentioned that, right? With your first initial story and, and second time now, there was no, let's say, uh, language or where there's no uh, more of structural frame of figuring out what tooling we were using. So I'm very curious, uh, how does that process work for you? Like what, what start, what, what puts you down that path of, of exploring things that, that do not have a, a structured uh, frame? Um, that's interesting questions. Um, I guess it's kind of like when you get into, um, especially when you're doing PhD, like you have, you know, you kind of, that's the area you need to look into. You kind of understand, you kind of trying to figure out what is the best way to get to that. Um, 
for me at that time it's kind of like you need to talk to these people because I know nothing about their world, right? Um, I yeah. don't know how I, um, I'm being lucky. I have all the visual sight and, but how people, um, without, um, with visual impairment, how they go about doing that. So I need to talk to them. And I think part of it is because I'm a curious person to start with. That's why I start me to bring me to here and start to ask questions. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of like you kind of pick it up as you go along. I guess that's a part of how the whole industry started as well. You know, people will start and say, oh, okay, there's a need for this. And um, it's all about people experience. And, um, and throughout the years, the whole industry has been evolved um, and then different different sectors kind of blend into together like you know customer experience how does that work with anthropologists like why am i talking to you now and on anthropologists and and podcast so, yeah there are a lot of combinations on that okay thank you so coming back to your um to the story that i interrupted um you were during the uh, during this uh, um you were doing this phd project trajectory correct mm-hmm so, so what happened next? So yeah, so that actually brings me to kind of like the start of HCI, Home Human Computer Interactions um, Industry. So at that time, we were still calling it like usability, you know, like it's still a new industry. Um, so I was working in, in agencies for, for many years, actually, um, before I started my own company. And that is how we actually, the whole industry started to evolve from human-computer interactions to usability. It's about how to make um, a tools easy to use or more user-friendly and then to user experience and customer experience. So now we are talking about more end-to-end experience of your customers or users um, in terms of um, using them, whether it's on digital or offline or in any context. So I've been doing that for a long time. And how I get into the cultural elements and international um, um, kind of insights into that is when I, when we start doing the experience and I was working with a lot of organizations that to talk about, oh, we want to understand um, in China and in Germany at the time, China, Germany, Italy, Spain, those are the key ones they want to explore. So, for example, I work with Merit International um, for a long time um, as their, their um, global um, consultant um, to help them to understand in different countries what does that mean, like how do people book holidays and when they look at their website, what does that mean, um, when they are in the hotel, what are the things they need because every country has a different way to, um, they need, different things they need. Although the process they book hotels might be similar or the things that they, when they are in hotels, they, the, the high level things they need is similar, but there are a lot of um, nuances that you need to pick up. Like for example, Middle Eastern um, travelers, they want, they might actually travel in a group and then they have a religion restrictions about men and women and, and in Southeast Asia and Asia in general, people travel as a group. What does that mean to a hotel and those kind of elements? So I started to work um, a lot more on the international ground. And in fact, um, I wrote a book about international user research at the time. It's just a, a small e-book that you can get in Amazon. Um, so in that book, it's because it's a kind of pocket guide. So I talk about why you need to do it and then where how do you actually define which country to go um, and, and to research first because you might have 10 
like which one to go with the budget and timing, and then what to look for when you are when you are understanding your customers, and then how to implement that. But that is a small book, and so throughout the years I've been doing that quite a lot. Um, but it's only until like I started working on, on Bayo Global, my own company, that I focus very much on the internationalization and culturalization side. I actually see that in more a holistic view. Um, so it's not just about, you know, going out, asking questions and, and talk to um, users and maybe observing them in their context as anthropologists will do. But also actually I see it from different um, views and connecting dif- different pieces of information insights that maybe initially it might not be known or might not seem relevant and how do you bring that together. So it kind of get into a deeper level of understanding people, especially in the global context. Um, yeah. I have a question about that because you were also mentioning earlier um, your different positions uh, that were, uh, let's say, representing globalism, mm-hmm. while at the same time talking quite strongly about your uh, approach to culture, to curiosity, to, to special groups, not, not special groups, but specific groups and their needs. Mm-hmm. Um because there's a there's a kind of a tension point to that, right? Like um, I think when you're developing technology, you uh, the the people that are busy with the development, particularly on global technologies, they're looking for that unifying element mm. uh, to be able. To, but in the unifying element, there's always a tension point with the local, with the uh, with the needs of the specific groups. So I wonder how do you resolve that tension in your own work? Because it seems to you seem to be uh, talking about both. So, um, uh, and I wonder, how do you resolve? Do you even, do you yourself see it as a tension, like catering to to this kind of uh, needs of, of, of groups, uh, whatever um, uh, things make them special, be it their culture mm-hmm. or special needs, and the kind of the the the, the tension to build uh, a scalable uh, technological product. Mm. No, um, it's interesting because um, I can, you know, like logically, um, it's easy to think actually if it's not sensible really to actually build a product or service um, that cater everyone's need because, and by then at the same time, fit, um, um, one fit all, so that doesn't work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like throughout my years of experience working with companies, because when we talk about it, it's kind of not just look into um, differences between countries or different user groups or mm-hmm. um, people with different culture, but also to look into the similarities as well. So one of the things that we uh, I always do with my clients or our companies I work with is kind of like, okay, of course we need a framework that work for, you know, you need a basic framework that work for everyone. Um, because that is one. But the way you build it, you might need to be more modular so that you can actually shift slightly different things um, for different um, cultures or different countries or markets. Um, so that is one of the things that building the right framework is important, um, whether it's technology-wise or when you're designing or you create a business model to start with. Um, so you always start with something. And, and, and then you can... You can find the niche between all of them and then say, okay, what is that? What, what are those special individual elements that we can actually tweak slightly or we can add or we can enhance in different countries? So, for example, like you, you could, like I mentioned earlier, like, um, when we talk about people booking a holidays, you know that macro level 
um, how people go about their mental model is still the same. Like you research, you have a trigger that I want to go on holiday. I need to travel to you research and then you kind of compare and then you um, book and then you kind of prepare for a trip, you know, those level is always the same. And then the needs within that, there are a lot of elements actually different countries or different culture they share within each other. But it's just in between, like what is the small things that you can enhance their experience? Then that will make a difference on, on that as well. So I work with different teams within organizations. So sometimes I work with um, research team or insights team. Sometimes I work with product team. When I work with product team, it's more about or what features or what is the roadmap down the line that we have for this region, not even one market, but it's the whole region to start with and then a different market. And then is there any features that we can enhance or actually it's not important, we kind of move it down to priority. And But if we found some a, a, a product features that is very high up for a market, for example, I was working for Spotify in, in Japan and we kind of um, identified this an, uh, a special feature that is actually good for Japan um, users, and they did, the the team was starting developing that. But as I know it, they actually also kind of look into oh, Southeast Asia is actually there's the similarities within that. Mm. They launched that with that as well. So sometimes you might start with something, and then say actually can that share with other team? Actually, there's a similarities in different levels, so maybe we can expand that into that as well. Um, I wonder, because you, you mentioned this project uh, across the world, um, I wonder how do you do those projects? Like, how does it work? Do you just go there and do the ethnography yourself? Uh, do you take me a little bit through your process? Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of different approach, right, to, to kind of um, when when I approach a project, it's kind of like I talk to the clients and understand their needs or their objectives or the situation they are in and what they're trying to approve. And sometimes, a lot of times, uh, my the, the trusted uh, clients uh, will actually just talk, tell me without a brief or anything, just kind of roughly what they need to do. So with that, I normally then will step back and say, okay, maybe with this approach would be better. Maybe a diary study would be better or maybe it's actually... Um, we don't need to talk to the users yet or go out to the country to do the research to observe them yet because that involves uh, uh, more cost and, 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 you know, more organizations with that. But sometimes it's more about, you know, um, doing some cultural, um, expert, um, reviews or research first before we go on that. Um, I will talk about it later about, you know, this holistic view about combining different approach. Um, mm -hmm. but you asked the questions about how I work with the, um, how I gain the insights from different countries because obviously I don't speak, speak all languages. Yeah. <laughs> um, I speak six, but then that is not enough for me to, to, to go on that. So normally when I need to, to, I have actually a network team that I work with across the world. So, um, some of them I actually have 12, 13 years of, um, relationship with them. Um, because, um, we know how we work together and I will actually get their help too. Normally it's kind of organizing the recruitment of um, who we want to talk to. Um, I kind of set up these are the people we want to talk to and then discuss with them as a team and, and is there anything that locally that we need to know um, and to kind of fit into that. Um, and also they will help out with getting the translators um, if needed. 
if we need to organize like the other and um, last year I went to Kenya and Rwanda with uh, for a um a digital technology medical um, company Babylon Health um to understand how the journey and pain points and challenges that people have uh, people with HIV the mental health and TB have um to before we can create a products um that will help them with their journey um as part of Gates Foundation's funding. So with that, I need um, my local team to help me to kind of organize the travels as well, you know, to kind of make sure we can get into people's houses in rural areas. Um, and then because it's all about connections out there um, to get mm-hmm. to us, to get to people. So I have a team different. Normally I have one or two that I trust a lot and that we, we, I know the quality of it. I know we we kind of aligned um, with our values. Um, then then I kind of we kind of work very close together to get mm-hmm. insights, whether to do with user research or sometimes it's just cultural elements on that. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about those values. So what 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 makes you uh, build this trust with uh, with your local teams? Like what are those elements that tie you together? Mm-hmm. So first of all, it's because I care a lot about what I do. <laughs> so, and, um, whether or not I'm running this business as my own or, or as a whole, I kind of, whatever I do, I want to do it the best. I want to see the value, not, you know, for, to, I genuinely want to help the company and businesses when I approach them. And also, so I, it's for me, it's kind of getting a good quality of work and understanding what it, um, needed to, to get the piece of work done and everything else. Mm-hmm. So, so that is important. It's just like no matter how you, how, what the challenges will be, we will get this done very well with a, a with a very good quality of work. And the other thing as well as a researcher as well that, um, because it's very easy to um, research. You can say actually you talk to users, customers, and you ask them questions mm-hmm. and everything. But sometimes you need to know. Because everyone's stories are different, you need to know how what kind of things are really important that you can. When they say something, you might want to prom in into it a bit more, or you actually there's another angle you can come in that actually is not in the discussion guide or is not in the mm-hmm. plan that we were talking. But actually, someone mentioned something that actually, or you observe something that is so interesting that you can indirectly see the the relationship with them. So have being able to. Although when I go out, we will do that, but having a team that will be able to do that, so that was mm-hmm. valuable. Although I normally don't rely just on that. Um, so yeah, I think being able to see things outside the box and kind of like, um, kind of like see things in a different angle, that was important. Having said that, uh, so a lot of companies or teams that in, in clients are, will say, oh, you're doing user research or anthropologists that going out. It's easy. You, I just get a team locally to help me out and I go out and ask questions. So you now one thing that I realize and, and also local teams when we talk about it as well is that sometimes a lot of times when local team, they look into something or they, they, they kind of analyze, analyze some information or ask questions. A lot of things might be um, very normal, ordinary for them. Um, so they didn't pick it up or they didn't see that as an important thing to promote, to dig deep into why and how and all these things. So because it's so, yeah, why is there no so, so commonly 
practice within them. Mm-hmm. But to us, maybe as international um, uh, views coming in or for uh, for our clients, that those are probably the most important elements that will give us the insight to say, actually, we can create a product slightly different because these are how actually people behave or these are how they are mental, um, the, their mentality think or their attitudes towards. So can we shift something different? Mm-hmm. So this might be where um, we, we add values and just get into, um, yeah, talk to the local team. So it's about the collaborations on, on as a whole. Yeah. You talked a lot about, and I, and I also see it in, 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 in your profile about how much you value a job well done. <laughs> so, so, uh, so like I'm, I'm, I'm curious now, can you give me an example of, of, of one project or one job that is really dear to your heart where you say, well, this one, uh, I will remember it and, and tell it to my grandkids. It, it's, it's that, it's that important to my values and myself. There's so many of them. <laughs> I, will, I think I think uh, I will talk the one, the most recent one, the one in in Kenya and Rwanda, because 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 that's to do with you know um, not only it's about products that we're trying to create to build and to help people in the journey they go through um, in 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 developing countries in terms of how people deal with. Um, uh, diseases uh, or mental health issues and everything. It's already quite hard e- even in uh, developing countries let alone in a very hard um, um, conditions um, environment. So that project is very it's kind of really important because it's kind of touching and, and as well it's kind of going out and we we spent three weeks out there um, in two countries and we talked to 36, 38 people in their houses as well as medical um, uh, professionals because in order to create a product, um, you need to understand the context, not just the users, but also their whole environment, mm-hmm. um, how the society work, how the medical system work, because otherwise you're going to create a product that is just not going to fit within um, their ecosystem. So we do that, and I think seeing the life of how you know how hard the life is, and there's so many different challenges and issues and hurdles they have to cross, um, poverty, poverty, and then you know um, sickness and health. Um, I I hear stories that break our hearts, and we you know it's it's hard to swallow some of the stories like in Rwanda um because of the genocide um that happens actually you say long ago but actually not too long ago um and and all these people are still living in that environment, and they have to cope with the whole experience they had um some mental health issues they have to cope. So, like some heartbroken stories, like a lady was talking. She's a mom now, um, pregnant, but have two um quite teenager daughters, is living a good life. But she every now and then still struggle with um the mental health issues because of um what she had been through when she was young, mm-hmm. been through until the pit, um very deep pit, and then throw granite into it. Well, if you live, you live. You don't, you don't. Um. And that, so loud sounds is really important and they were fed by raw meat, um, at the time. They have to eat them. Um, but now she couldn't go into the market because seeing the raw meat, she can't eat meat anymore because mm-hmm. that reminds her. Um, it's loud sounds will make her kind of trigger all the anxiety. 
But again, like they are living together and they have to go through the whole um, process. Thank you for sharing that. Um, wh why is this a project that, that, that touches you? What is it in that project that uh, made you um, single that one out? I, I guess it's because I have to choose one of them. <laughs> and so I choose this one because it's quite recent and as well, it's still quite wrong. I think it's kind of everyone else is anthropologists or researchers or designers or products, you know, or business people, you have to understand everyone's stories are different, every situation are different. You have to stand in people's shoes and being more being open minded. Um you know a lot of people can hear all these stories and until you cannot see it and you cannot have that relationship with the people that are telling the story to you and you see their houses and if you say houses or it's just a hut or anything that you can look into. So I think it's kind of You, you change, you kind of live in a, we, we can live in our bubble, you know, mm. um, thinking about this is how the world works. This is, I'm the users of my product as well. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I think I hear stereotype about, um, how Russian do things or how, um, Mexican do things. So let's just do that. And, you know, without really go deep into what is actually um, their real experience and what is actually their real pinpoints and needs and actually the mentality that helped them to shape who they are, the society are. So I think I keep talking about a holistic approach that I kept doing. Um, I, it's key of my, my, what I do is because I think the holistic approach I'm doing is what I'm talking about, um, is more, is twofold. One is you will need to have a holistic view and understanding about who you are serving or who you're trying to provide the service and to in terms of not just about what are they are doing now, what do they need this, but also understanding their story behind. So, for example, what actually drive that kind of um, behaviors or attitudes? Mm -hmm. um, so recently, on um, I started to put together a cultural snippets on my LinkedIn as well as on my web on, on our website. It's about all different countries. Like you look into their history, you look into their social elements, their interactions, and how that actually shape. There's always consequences of um, what the history kind of shape what happened now and what happened now shape their behaviors. And that is really important because otherwise you're just seeing what they're doing now. You're just following the trend and what is they're doing. You actually, you need to, if you understand completely what the rationale behind, then you can be more innovative. You can kind of create something that is not. Um, so for example, like, um, you can, um, I'll, talk, I'll give an example of the, the Kenya, Example. So we went there, we talked to the people and they said, okay, our support group for HIV and mental health, we, I, I stopped going now. I, um, and we say, why? And she said, oh, because I don't have the money to, to, to join in as the uh, merry-go-round, um, bank, table banking system that we have. So I said, we say, what is that? Just, um, it's just a process that the support group is good because people talk about the process, um, what everyone's going through, but also they collect money each month and then either use that money to create a projects together that like sewing, buying material for sewing, everyone can sew together or actually they give it to individuals that need the money the most mm -hmm. as a support. 
And that is all good, and that we understand that is what they're doing, and support group is important. But then that sometimes stop people. From, but what they didn't tell me, tell us, is 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 why they are doing that, and why is the so I started to do the research on the cultural elements um, side of Kenya. Is because when the countries um, on the first prime minister and after that become a president, they need, he needs to bring the country back very quickly. So they created something about you know called uh, Harambe's culture, where he needs to get everyone to support each other to bring the country back because the government themselves can't do that. So this Harambe culture and mentality very de- deep rooted within their um, within their culture and that's why a lot of chambas which is a group of self-supportive groups came out popping up um, like it's kind of banking but banking as a group and then support each other so chambas a lot and then that is why there are so many support groups even with even within the hiv and mental health group have that so those insights the users wouldn't tell you because they wouldn't tell, oh, because of our president and they can't relate to, you know, why they are doing that because if we're in that situation, we don't normally know why we are doing such a things. You know, we are in our own bubble. You need other people to look into that. So that's why I say is need to have a holistic view to see the whole picture. So that's why sometimes I feel like I used to say, talk to users. Definitely that is the ultimate, you know, talk to users, observe um, mm-hmm. people. Um, on how they live, that will give you the ultimate answers. But actually now stepping back, I just like, actually not true because sometimes the users themselves don't even, won't even tell, able to tell, not that they didn't want to, but they don't, not able to do that. So this is a holistic view that I provide to give you a sense of the whole picture. And, um, and the second fault was holistic view is that you need to use a holistic approach to, um, to your organization. So you have all these insights. What does that mean? You very often individual teams work separately. Um, so product team come to us and we do that and then marketing team do that. But you already did that. You can, you know, you can share. So it's kind of having a holistic approach with in, in terms of how you use the um, insights and knowledge to say, okay, how you actually connect each other together, how you kind of build a business that actually will link together. Yeah. That sounds uh, great. It, uh, two questions come immediately to my mind hearing your story. Um, the first one, I'm going to, I'm going to start with uh, maybe, maybe the one um, that is the easiest to put into a short sentence. Uh, talking about this kind of deeper understanding on, of the, of the experiences of people, I would imagine also requires uh, more time. Um, so I wonder how you deal with the, I wonder one, if you do have a constraint of time when you do this type of, uh, research processes, and if you do, how do you manage to, to fit this deeper understanding into this, uh, into this, uh, the, the time pressure? That's the first one. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, um, um, a lot of what you talk about when you talk about this holistic way of looking at, uh, people matches how psychologists, Look at um, what drives people's behavior, uh, the cultural element, the systemic uh, parts. So I wonder if you have worked in the past together with social scientists, or what, what is your view on, on on that? Cool, thank you. <clears throat> and so go for the first question: time pressure. So yeah, of course, I think um, doing any projects will have um, 
will have will involve additional costs and and efforts um, to put them together. Um, I to be honest, like because I do this quite often. If you know what you're doing, it's actually it's not going to take a lot of time on in doing in in process that. So it may be additional of few weeks. So normally, when if you want to talk to um, customers or talk to people, um, the recruitment and uh, lead time. Normally, across the whole world, normally it's two weeks um, or so. So you want to cater that into that. But even within the two weeks, um, you can actually start preparing what you want to talk to. You know, like while the recruitment is going on, um, you can start to put things together. You can actually do the research as yourself. Like I've mentioned that what is the cultural elements and what other things to help you to shape the focus of your discussions or interviews with um, with the people you want to talk to. So uh, there are a lot of ways to do that. And then once you get that and the interviews, if you talk to, if you go to visit people, could be few, two days, could be one day, could be, um, a week, you know, it's depending on how much time you have, how much budget you have and, and how much you want to get out of that. Sometimes I will, you know, I always find a very, uh, optimal approach where I have a good balance between quality, timing and and, and also um, cost for my clients. So you don't want to do too little to in the point that actually not enough to tell you, you might as well don't do it. Or uh, you don't have to go extreme, like go, go crazy. You know, like you can talk to 100 people if you have money and time, but do you need it? And so kind of find a good balance in terms of we know we will get enough information with the user groups that we, we know we want to talk to. Let's go for that. And then if you have very tight timing, then I, sometimes I will find other approach that might take less time. If we can't talk to people, can we talk to less people? And then we do other approach. Um, and then we get them to send us photos of their house and then we get, give them quite, um, good guide in terms of maybe give you a journals writing or actually approach them on WhatsApp or their social media every now and then to ask some content. So there are a lot of different ways to get that insight. Mm -hmm. If sometimes the client says, we just need to go, we will just do um, reviews based on our experience for them to say, okay, quick fix on this one, do this. So that's why like we provide different kind of services if needed just to say, okay, what is the best way for you to get to what you want? in the quickest way if you need to. Sometimes we'll push them challenging a bit to say, come on, you don't actually need that one week. Maybe two weeks will give you a better value on that. And second questions. Um, so you mentioned about the holistic view. If I ever work um, with social logists, is that right? So- yeah, social scientists, like social psychology, anthropology, uh, yeah. sociology, a lot of how you talk about understanding behavior and culture, um, fits, fits quite closely to, to mm. how social science looks at behavior. So I know there are plenty of social scientists that are also working in UX, um, as, as designers, as researchers. Mm. So I'm curious if you've, if you've come across, uh, some of these people and if you've, uh, worked together in the past. Yeah, I know quite a lot of, uh, quite many of, um, like social, um, social scientists or, um, anthropologists or social anthropologists. Um, because ultimately, like you say, like you say, I have a lot of friends also from anthropologists and become, um, customer experience in the, in, to me that I don't see that as a line. I, 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 
Labeling is kind of a thing that you know people like doing that. Um, for for a long time, when I started my own company, I actually didn't call myself anything. I just said I help businesses to do this and that, because um, you know, like if once you label, it's up for everyone to interpret what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's kind of most importantly is what you do and what we do, right? I'm not a trained like I talk about my background. I'm not a trained anthropologist. I'm, I'm not a trained um, and sociologist, but I was asked the other day in another podcast, it's like, do you call yourself sociologist or uh, anthropologist or psychologist? And I just like researchers, I just like, it's everything, you know, um, because mm-hmm. like the holistic approach that I'm talking about is uh, ultimately is about understanding people and their mm-hmm. environment and their history and then, you know, things that influence them. Whatever that calls, I, I actually don't really Mind okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I was, um, I, I, I totally get it, huh? And I know that labels, uh, labels can also be um, quite uh, restrictive to, to, to transdisciplinary or multidisciplinary approaches where you actually are doing things that don't have a lang- language yet. Mm. So uh, by, by trying to uh, put it in a box in a particular discipline that uses a particular language, you're, you're actually in some ways limiting this, this kind of new thing that you are contributing to bringing to light my question was more connected to experience of working with other disciplines mm. so uh, uh if you have that and and then how do you how do you manage to um how do you manage to put your your way of working together with others and 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 yeah particularly social scientists because this is uh this is kind of like the space that we are exploring here so I know also from my other interviews, but also from my own personal experience that working with an anthropologist or a sociologist or a designer or anybody that has a different speciality than your own is not always easy. (laughs) So uh, I I just want, I was very curious in understanding your experience with that. Yeah, I completely agree. I was going to say that like sometimes it's just like there are too many cooks in what do you call too many cooks was part of um, broth? Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree because everyone have a set way of working and set ways of thinking. Um, it could be hard. Um, so I have several occasions I have to work. I have to. <laughs> um, so several occasions I work with um, like uh, people either similar background as me or um, have. have crossover on what we what I do. Um, I have to say in that scenarios. Sometimes it could be hard because sometimes I have one project last year that is a similar situation. Is that it become a lot more? Uh, it, it was even harder because that those uh, people who actually cross over knowledge and skills is from the the internal team. That mm-hmm. is even harder because I could challenge you. I can we could you know discussion, but at the same time. They have to ultimately say <laughs> on how they want to do things, which I sometimes don't completely agree. Then we can, I can, we can mention about discuss it and then, um, and, but it's up to them on that. So yeah, I, in that situation, I have good experience before where we kind of like, okay, share the experience and then say, and what is good sometimes is you learn different techniques also point of view um, and you kind of challenge each other to say oh, okay we can do it in different way oh okay we how about we do this and then you said oh you know like everyone having a and then we become a beautiful approach and beautiful output and when you analyze the data and um, and everyone can 
can see from different views. So it's a win-win situations where you learn and, and but it's more challenging when you have a, a bit of contradict thing views mm. uh, on how it works. Um, sometimes we will get to that and agree to disagree and then we went out to the field and then see how it goes and then we kind of play by year by then to say, okay, now we know your approach doesn't work or my approach doesn't work. Let's let's just tweak. Mm. Um, we get to that part as well. Um, but sometimes it's just hard and I, I see projects that, that use more budget than necessary or longer time necessary to do to get to where we didn't have that. And then we can all sit down and have a have a feedback sessions on like what we learned and how we can do it better. Um, but yeah, I love what I really like as well is to learn from other people, whether it's on social uh, social scientists or even completely different um, uh, industry. Mm-hmm. You learn their approach. So you read a book about football and you say, oh, yeah, you, you read about a book about other things. And you say, oh, actually, you can apply a um, similar approach and metaphor mm-hmm. into your design or into your, your research. That is what I love the most. Nice. So that's very good bridge to my next question, which is, uh, where, where will your curiosity lead you next? Like, are you kind of like dipping your toes into other new fields, other new spaces of, of exploration? Like, how, how's the, how's the future looking like for you right now? Um, yeah, and maybe uh, another question. No, that's it. Huh? I'll ask my next question <laughs> after that. <laughs> Remember that question. Yes. <laughs> um, so why is next for me? I actually don't, I don't, I, I know, um, I love what I'm doing now. And I kind of explore. So a lot of times you don't know what you're going to, what ideas or creative ideas you're going to get into until, you know, you walk alongside and then see what's next and everything. Um, so at the moment I am looking into, so because, because of, um, the situations, coronavirus situations that we're in. So you kind of have to pivot a bit of what you're doing and how you change because you can't go out, out to the field to do research, to talk to people, what other things. So, uh, um, so that's one of the things that we, I, I, I'm looking into. And the other thing is that I'm helping more into your kind of um, clients in terms of before they launch into a new market. Um, what does that mean? So our new regions. So at the moment, I'm working with a client in terms of their um, sub-Saharan um, market. Um, but before we go even go into if into um, the field to talk to users, which is not ready yet, and we shouldn't do that, we uh, we are working together to understand, you know, a lot of questions that we can actually. Uh, um, answer or kind of find out where what facts they were, we already know, um, what are the weak and hypothesis and strong hypothesis we might know from what we gather. Is there anything we can answer? And then what are the unknowns that we probably didn't know? So having that kind of framework will help us to say, okay, where's the gaps? How we can answer those questions in different approach, whether to about users or whether we're going to talk to experts in different um, industry, but to do with the cultural or business side or technology side. So we are talking to a different way. So that is exciting for me because um, kind of you see the process from end to end from before we know we want to go into this region 
to, you know, once they start launching it, what does that mean? So that is important. Well, what is coming next? I shall see because um, that's what I like. Like every morning, I just like, hmm, any idea? And I get it from my walk or from my shower. And it's, oh, that is interesting. And then one of the things, then, then you start looking into it and you start reading other books. And then you kind of say, actually, I could see things from different angle now. And, you know, maybe you can explore that. To be honest, like you hear from my experience as well, I was doing customer experience and I was just doing very basic international research, you know, when I was doing, for working for my, um, um, the other employers. And, but then that is how I start to work for myself and I start to look things into, start working from different kind of projects. It led to where I'm now mm-hmm. and the approach and, you know, who knows where this is going to lead to. And I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I have a question because, you know, so much of, of this type of work of going into different, um, spaces, uh, the process of being there and engaging with people and their stories uh, triggers your understanding, your empathy, uh, your insight. No? So mm-hmm. uh, you were mentioning a few of those stories beforehand, but I wonder how do you manage to, to translate that empathy that is so much connected to, be, or to being there with people in their context? How do you manage to translate it back to the decision makers that build these products? Do you have any particular tools that work for you? Um, how do you bring that world and that that insight and that feeling back and 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 give it, let's say, or translate it to others? Mm, thanks for asking this question because this is actually a really important point that I should have mentioned but forgotten. <laughs> and so yeah, good questions because. For me, wherever I approach a project, it's not, it's not to do with just understanding the customers or their context or, you know, the social, the society itself, but it's actually the end point. So as engineers, I, I like to know, so what? You know, like the question is, so next, what can we do about that? What does that mean? So whenever I shape a project or shape a research approach or, or going out, shape the questions that we're going to ask the participants. One of the main things that I have back in my mind is what answers, what questions we want to answer and what other things. So it's kind of like what are the objectives we want to achieve? So that will shape everything else. So yeah, how do I translate that? It has, to, I have to say it had to start from the very beginning when you start choosing the approach. Like, um, like if you want to understand um certain elements without uh, with, with then you might want to go into um the field but also look do the cultural research itself but if you if other approach might be a slightly different and then how you shape the question and everything that will helps us in when we kind of interpret the data and insights um when we put together the output. Um, it's not just about reporting the obvious or reporting what we hear and the stories, but it's also about what does that mean? It's kind of putting that in a pattern. Um, so that's one of the value my clients um, ver- um, value very much and in terms of, okay, that makes sense to me because a lot of time they went out to the field with us or they listened into the conversations and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's very overwhelming. They tried, they did tell me like they tried to analyze that themselves and then put the information, put the summary or whatever they have. But it was hard until like we have, we analyze and we have that report for them and then we kind of discussions together at the workshop. Then we discuss what does that mean. So it's not reporting what is obvious, but also to look at the patterns and then trying to answer 
the question we already know we want to answer at the very beginning, like what I should know in the business models in that countries, like should we have this and that, then you can actually have that information kind of line up from different insights mm-hmm. to say, okay, this is the one supporting you. By the way, you also need to know, for example, the data, cost of data, because that is how people influence their use of data so that you know whether they were what features it needed for your, um, do you need the offline features or anything like that? So it's kind of um, quite putting that together. I normally will run a workshop with my clients at the end as well because it's important rather than have a big report. What does that mean? You know, let's have mm-hmm. a discussion. And this is the time sometimes I bring different teams together, even though the, the team that I work with is a business proposition team that I can say, maybe you want to bring your marketing team together or product team. Then everyone can actually say, this is an insight. What does that mean to you? And what does that mean to this team? Oh, you guys can work together just for next step and, 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 and do that. Um, so that's very important. So as an anthropologist or researcher, whatever we call that, um, it's very important because people give you the, the privilege to hear their stories. It's very important. And sometimes a lot of things like um, people see us as someone who listen to them because there's no one listen to them, like the mental health um, participants that we talk to. Like it's, it's one way for them to vent their ex- you know, we see, we are therapists for them at that point because we're listening to them. So for me, like we have the, um, we have the responsibility to actually take care of the stories they share with us and kind of share that the true story to, you know, the team that who weren't there out there to listen to inside. So photos, images, clips, videos, that was very helpful because then you kind of tell the stories about this person, what is happening and why, what is causing them and have a journey that they go through supporting with photos and clips and, um, videos. And that also help as well. Um, so I like telling stuff. I like conveying information and change people myself about coming out from their bubbles through, through stories. Um, because people will start more empathize a bit more when they mm-hmm. can hear more about that rather than facts. This is that, this is how Brazilian do this. This is how, um, Arabs do this and that. So, um, because they can relate to that. When we can relate to that, we, we, we don't make the right decisions. Yeah. And that leads me now another good bridge to my last question. This moment that we're living now, uh, Corona, um, how has it affected or if ha- has it affected the way you do your work? And if so, if yes, how? Yeah. Um, yes. The short answer is yes, uh, it must be affected because a lot of work that we, we do actually involve traveling and getting out to see the countries, to see the, how people live, to get out and walk around and talk to people. So we can't travel. Um, so some of us, like be, some of the clients or some of the projects we'll be able to do remotely. And um, so, um, we get, we do that on remote research, combining with sometimes more um, task-based um, uh, research approach where we get the um, participants to send us something first or write down something first so we can see their their house and their environment and everything else. But not all, I have to say, not all projects are actually suitable for remote research because sometimes um, to do with which country, um, it might be, it might not be 
possible to run remotely because of unstable um, network, uh, the technology and everything else. Um, and also depending on which country, because everyone is coming in and out of lockdown and, and situations in different phases. Um, so first is kind of the, the um, can we do it remotely? And can we do that with users access where we get them to do diary journals and tasks, send us something that I say about the WhatsApp. Um, and, and then if that is not possible, then can we actually from different angle, for example, like we have, um, local experts, um, and we have local experience. Can we actually view that from the cultural point of view from their history? And then, you know, the secondary day informations, um, the way that we do secondary research is a bit different from, you know, anyone's because some clients, they say, oh, we do that ourselves internally. But ours is kind of from cultural and user point of view, user behaviors and point of view. So we can look into the history, um, like what Egypt's history is shaping things and their traditions, how people are more willingly to change um, their attitudes. Whereas in Russia, how does Russian change? So we can help them in that and then we can start putting, you know, getting ready if one day we can do the research. What would that, that will kind of speed up and more focus and it's a better way. Um, the other thing as well is that starting to be their, um, as their co- consultant within the team where they, you know, you might not need to be the, um, a project base. So it kind of like maybe small steps at each time because at this moment things might change in different markets as well. Like what are the small steps we can do towards that? Um, so I embedded in their team, um, as their sounding board as well as their um, ongoing support in terms of looking in their strategy as a whole and then say, okay, at this point maybe we can do small research here to answer this question and that. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's kind of all we can do expert in interviews from out of, like for example, out from the UK, like we have um, academics that who is really expert in that market. Like, can we learn something from them first? Because the technology is possible to do it here remotely. Um, interviews, and then, and then we collect the the gaps um, hypothesis so for us to bring it down in the next level as well. Nice. Well, uh, for this wonderful time. We're already um, a little bit past our uh, deadline, with him, but uh, thank you so much. It's been it's been wonderful talking to you. And for our listeners, we'll put in the show notes all references that she made and uh, links to her work. If you want to go deeper into into the, that path, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening, everyone. Follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speaker's work. Join us next time for more interesting conversations.